You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Monday, the 2nd of November. And you know what that means? It means tomorrow is election day. This is it. If you haven't voted yet, don't forget to vote tomorrow. And if you still haven't registered, here's some good news. There are 21 states that allow same-day voter registration. So if you're the kind of person who likes to procrastinate, well, you're in luck. Unless you procrastinated so much that you're watching this episode in December, well then, I have some bad news for you, and Lord Trump will be delivering it personally. Other than that, if you live in one of those 21 states, all you need to do is go to votevotevote.com to see what you need to bring to the polls to register on the day. Go vote! Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, the candidates make their final pitch. Jabuki Young-White tries to understand what old people think, and we find out the biggest scandal of Donald Trump's presidency. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. So, how's everybody feeling? Feeling relaxed? Chilled out? Casually chewing your own tongue off from the stress? Because it has all come down to this. And on the weekend before election day, voters got one more chance to compare the two candidates head to head. I'm running as a proud Democrat, but I will govern as an American president for everybody. Under Biden, there will be no school, no graduations, no weddings, no Thanksgivings, no Easter's, no Christmases, and no 4th of July. Other than that, you're gonna have a wonderful life. I will work as hard for those who don't support me as those who do support me. I mean it. His new deal in those sunglasses, he was, he was very agitated, right? See him, yes? And then you'd have like two, two cars, honk, honk, honk. That's the job of a president. The duty to care. The duty to care for everyone. Don't tell anybody, but let me wait till a little bit after the election. Well, I think we know who Dr. Fauci is voting for. I mean, it's actually nice to have the election be that clear for you. Because most people are like, huh, which candidate better reflects my vision of America? Dr. Fauci's like, all right, which candidate isn't gonna fire my ass? You know, I can safely say that I've never seen a president go after individual people. I'm shocked Trump hasn't just started pulling out the phone book like, what about Mary Henderson on Maple Street, everybody? Should we lock her up? Okay, okay. The one piece of good news for Dr. Fauci is that now that his firing has become a rally chant, like lock her up or build the wall, it means it'll actually never happen. And by the way, I love how Trump is just saying that Biden is gonna get rid of all the holidays. Just like making it up. They're all gone, folks. No Christmas, no Thanksgiving. And I don't know what Kwanzaa is, but it's gone and no more Toyota-thon. You won't even be able to wish your neighbor happy Honda days. And Trump is right. If you vote for Biden, there's no more holidays. But if you vote for Trump, then every day will be Dia de los Muertos. Either way, Biden and Trump's tones could not be more different. I mean, at this point, the election is like choosing between going to the ballet and breaking into the zoo to watch chimps mate. You know which one fits your vibe. And as November 3rd looms, there is no question that the streets are getting tense. I mean, as an African, I'm used to a certain level of pre-election threats, but whew, this is getting out of hand. 
here in New York City and elsewhere around the country, there is a concern that the tensions are rising to the point where a lot of people feel unsafe. Police in Graham, North Carolina, using pepper spray on what was said to be peaceful demonstrators who had marched to the polls to Beverly Hills over the weekend. About 4,000 pro-Trump supporters gathered to rally in support of the president. Anti-Trump demonstrators showed up and they clashed. Back here in the tri-state, there were caravans of pro-Trump supporters who actually blocked major thoroughfares, bridges, stopping people from getting into New York City at one point. The backup was in one area more than five miles. And across the United States, businesses boarding up their windows, their doors, and taking other security measures in anticipation and fear of possible election unrest. Authorities are expected to be putting back into place a non-scalable fence around the White House. A group of Trump supporters surround a Biden campaign bus in Texas on Friday. It forced Biden's camp to cancel a rally. Damn, America's going full Mad Max right now. And Trump might deny encouraging these people, but then why was he riding on the back? That's irresponsible. I mean, at least he's wearing a mask. That's one step in the right direction, but still. And you know shit is real. When even the White House is putting up extra fences and barriers. Although hopefully they're not letting Donald Trump decide what a good barrier is. We don't need a fence. We should just put a slightly steep ramp. No one can get past that. They're so dangerous. Although if it were me, I wouldn't put up an extra fence. I'd just paint the White House a different color. Yeah. Then when Antifa come, I'd be like, it's the White House. No, this is the Purple House. Try down the block, dearie. But yes, everyone is worried about post-election violence. And I'll be honest with you. If shit goes down, you're not gonna see me going downtown and looting, no. I'm gonna be looting at the outlet malls. They've got much better deals. And look, I'm not looking for a fight. But don't play around, guys. I'm always ready to throw down if I have to. Yeah, 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 ah, ah, is it bad? Ah, now I have to taste my blood like the rock. Look, we all need to be reasonable. There's no need for violence. Although according to the candidates, maybe there is? I don't think Sleepy Joe would be a good fighter, do you? One gentle little touch to the face and he's down. He's down and he wouldn't get up very quickly. The president likes to portray himself, I love this. Likes to portray himself as a tough guy. When you were in high school, wouldn't you have liked to take the shot? Anyway, it's a different story, but anyway. A macho man. Of all the people in the world that I could fight, that's probably the one I'd like to most fight. You know what? Boom. I didn't even have to close. I just, ding, he's gone. That's right. Joe Biden and Donald Trump are ready to throw down. Woo! This will probably be the first UFC match sponsored by Life Alert. It's also gonna be a tough fight to referee. I mean, you won't be able to tell which one of them has a concussion. Seriously, this is a lot of shit talking from two guys that only have about three falls left in them. Instead of trainers in their corners, they're just gonna have Jamaican nurses. Great round, Mr. Biden. It's time for your pills, okay? You want them with the cranberry or with the applesauce? But Donald Trump doesn't have to fist fight Joe Biden to win this election. All he has to do is stop mail-in votes from being counted because most of those are from Democrats. And it sounds like that's exactly his plan. Overnight, the president arguing the race should be called on election day. We should know the result of the election on November 3rd. That's the way it's been and that's the way it should be. But that's not true and never has been. President Trump saying he'll challenge the results if he loses. We're gonna go in 
the night of, as soon as that election's over, we're going in with our lawyers. Falsely claiming ballots counted after Tuesday are illegitimate. I think it's a terrible thing when people or or, or states are allowed to uh, tabulate ballots for a long period of time after the election is over. So just to be clear, Trump is flat out saying that after election day, you should just stop counting the votes even if the votes were cast on time, which makes no sense. It's like saying that, oh, that's not your kid because it was born after its due date. Mm-mm. My baby was supposed to arrive on January 4th. I don't know who this stranger is, just popping out my belly, acting like you family. But let's be real, nobody's surprised by this. I mean, Trump wants the race called on election nights because he thinks that'll ensure that he wins. But I promise you now, if Biden wins on election nights, well, then Trump will say, you gotta hold everything until all the votes are counted. And then when all the votes are counted, Trump will say, oh, we should hold everything until all the votes are recounted. We know what's happening here, man. Trump is that kid who keeps changing the rules until he wins. Best of five, best of 13, best of 123. Maybe it would help if we explained this to Trump in terms that he would understand. Donald, we have to wait for the election results because right now they're under audit by the IRS. But if Trump tries to steal the election, well, That would be the perfect scandal to end his first term in office. Because as Roy Wood Jr. has been showing us, Trump has had the most tremendous scandals of all time. We've been counting down Donald Trump's 100 most tremendous scandals for about a week. It just occurred to me that we should have left a blank spot in this countdown for whatever shit he's done since we started doing this countdown. And now we're down to the top 25. These are the big ones. These are the scandals that are going to cement President Trump's place in the history books. Assuming history books are still allowed after November. So let's start the countdown at number 25. Donald Trump and his father built the family's empire by dodging taxes for decades. It reportedly included instances of outright fraud. Peaceful protesters were tear gassed. These aren't people, these are animals. Conditions at migrant detention facilities are simply horrific. President Trump swiftly fires the acting attorney general. Fired five independent watchdogs. The diverting of billions of dollars from the Pentagon budget to fund the president's border wall. This is an island surrounded by water, big water, ocean water. China should continue building these concentration camps for the mass detention of Uyghur Muslims because President Trump thought that, quote, was exactly the right thing to do. And then we fell in love, okay? No, really. It's funny, the relationships I have, the tougher and meaner they are, the better I get along with it. Disbanded this commission that he had set up to back up his false claims about voter fraud. Playing another round of golf, and that was his 284th visit to one of his golf clubs since taking office. Our media is the enemy of the people. Somebody said I should not criticize judges. Okay, I'll criticize judges. Trump has now made more than 20,000 misleading or false statements. The president who routinely skips reading the president's daily briefing. Mailmen selling the ballots. They're being sold. They're being dumped in rivers. Russia wanted Donald Trump to win. That his campaign was eager to accept Russia's help. The president said, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. Woodward pressed the president about MBS's role in Khashoggi's murder. Trump told Woodward, I saved his ass. Another woman comes forward with another claim about Donald Trump's behavior. Separating children from their families at the border. This is CNN Breaking News. President Trump has been impeached. 
the energy for this many scandals. I mean, I have a theory, but our lawyer said that we don't have any proof, so we can't put it on the list. Number one is still ahead, but now let's look at scandal number two. Gather around for this one, everybody. Well, not too close, keep six feet. A global pandemic would be a crisis for any president, but it would take Donald Trump to turn coronavirus into not just a scandal, but one of the biggest scandals of all time. You can call it a germ, you can call it a flu, you can call it a virus, you, know, you can call it many different names. I'm not sure anybody even knows what it is. Trump was working on screwing up the pandemic before there was even a pandemic to screw up. The Trump administration disbanding the National Security Council's pandemic unit in 2018. We worked very well with that office. It would be nice if the office was still there. And when the outbreak began in Wuhan, the Trump screw-ups really began taking off. As China tried to hide how bad things were, Trump helped them cover it up because he wanted a trade agreement. It's all taken care of, and China's working very hard on the problem. That's called the art of the deal. The next screw-up came when the virus reached America. You have 15 people, and the 15 within a couple of days is going to be down to close to zero. Just as China was finally admitting that this thing was more viral than a white girl dancing on TikTok, Trump began doing the opposite. This is a flu. This is like a flu. It's going to disappear. One day it's like a miracle, it will disappear. You're gonna have a kid with the sniffles and they'll say it's uh, coronavirus, whatever you wanna call it. Yes, according to Trump, COVID was something you could simply ignore, like consent. When you're a star, they let you do it. But even though COVID was no more harmful than just a case of the sniffly wifflies, he still put together a task force led by the smartest guy he could find, one office over. And this guy had lots of experience when it comes to not handling a public health crisis. While Trump continued to promise that COVID is going away, and it will go away, and we're going to have a great victory. He did everything he could think of to make sure it stuck around. So I said to my people, slow the testing down, please. With the masks, it's going to be really a voluntary thing. You can do it. You don't have to do it. I'm choosing not to do it. The Trump administration dismissed the PPE shortage and instead encouraged reusing supplies. I don't take responsibility at all. Eventually, Trump was persuaded to take the pandemic a little more seriously. I am confident that by counting and continuing to take these tough measures, even if he pretty clearly wasn't happy about it. Okay. Hey, I know how you feel, Donald. I get cranky too when the pandemic pulls me away from my 18 hours of golf. But before long, the second wave of screw-ups would begin as Trump went full snake oil salesman. Hydroxychloroquine. Try it, if you'd like. And then I see the disinfectant. Is there a way we can do something like that? Uh, I injection. Turns out the D in DJT stands for doctor, and the J stands for Jesus. Did he just say that we should inject ourselves with bleach? <laughs> Still, his people rejoiced, sharing the good news about why masks are bad. I'm a bunch of pussies wearing masks! You're violating federal law! Return to your service of Satan! Back off! <laughs> Showing up at his rallies without a care in the world. They are dying, that's true. And you ha it is what it is. As the U.S. became a global leader in coronavirus, it seemed like the good times would never end until it all came crashing down. Breaking news overnight, President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump test positive for the coronavirus. At least 28 people connected to President Trump have tested positive for COVID. It's a sobering reminder that coronavirus is real and even the most powerful people, even the President of the United States, are vulnerable to this terrible disease. 
<laughs> nah, you can't hurt Donald Trump. His blood is made of cheeseburgers. I'm immune. I could come down and start kissing everybody. So even as Trump's first term comes to an end, COVID, 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 his most impressive scandal keeps soaring to new heights. On a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your response to this crisis? I'd rate it a ten. Be honest. When Tom Hanks caught the Rona back in March, did you really think we'd still be dealing with this shit in November? Eight months. It's been eight months. I'm starting to think having a president with an attention span of eight seconds was a mistake. Well, you've seen Donald Trump's top 99 scandals. The man is a tax dodging, Putin loving, pussy grabbing, bleach drinking crybaby. Which brings us to his most tremendous scandal. He's somehow still president. How? How is he still the president? You would think at number 60, somebody would have said something. Unbelievable. How the f- Thank you so much for that, Roy. All right, when we come back, Michael Costa finds out what's keeping some suburban women in Trump's corner. And Michael Harriet is joining us later on, so stick around. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. It's no secret that President Trump is not a popular president, but he still has many fervent supporters. Michael Costa checked in on some of them to see what it is about the president that keeps these people loyal. With the election just a day away, Trump is desperately trying to hold on to seniors, independents, in this glass of water. But there's one group that's clearly slipping through his fingers. Suburban women, will you please like me? I saved your damn neighborhood, okay? Save their damn neighborhood? From what? I sat down with three proud Trump supporters to see what Trump is doing to protect white women. I mean, the suburbs. Sorry, the suburbs are obviously not just code for white. White women love him. He's out there, he's out there making our lives a little bit easier and what he's doing to protecting us. What do the suburbs need to be protected from? Violence, rioters, looting. Huh. Socialism, Antifa, and Black Lives Matter. I agree, same thing. Afraid of uh, them coming from the cities up to the suburbs. There's examples of it around the country where gates are crashed through. Okay, so in your suburb, how many rioters came up from the city? No, none yet. We haven't had, in this town we haven't but it's happened in other parts of the country. I had very little here. They stopped one of the parkways, very peaceful. There was no looting. My, in our, in my, our suburbs, we only had a uh, peaceful protest, but um, you know, the belief is that I believe all lives matter. Nice. I just want to bet. Anyways, if all the protests in your neighborhood have been peaceful, why are you still so concerned with rioting and looting? Because I've seen what happened in New York City. If you're living in an apartment on near Times Square, every night there's protesting. You might call it peaceful, but banging drums at 11 o'clock at night is really not peaceful. I thought you were going to say people are getting stabbed with knives, not late night drumming, but it can be inconvenient depending on the drums. Just because it's not on my block doesn't mean it doesn't affect me. Andrea's right. You should absolutely be afraid of rioters, even if every protest you've seen in your town suggests the opposite. And according to Trump, if Antifa doesn't destroy your suburb, the Democrats will. 
Democrats in Washington are also pushing a plan to abolish the suburbs. They want to build low-income housing. They don't mind if low-income housing is built in a beautiful suburb. Biden wants affordable housing in the suburbs. What would that do to, let's say, your neighborhood? Andrea. I wouldn't have a problem with it at all. I already have it. So I have it a couple blocks up for me and I have a couple blocks down for me. So that's not a fear. Not a fear at all for me. My town already has affordable housing and I'm all for affordable housing. Got it. Their riots have been peaceful and the terrifying low-income housing isn't coming because it's already there. So why is Trump still pushing these fears? I don't think he's pushing fear. I think he's pushing knowledge. Trump doesn't sell fear. He sells knowledge about what we should fear. You know... No, because knowledge about how to run the country. Got it. On a completely unrelated note, when you voted for Trump previously, what were some of the things that worried you? I was afraid of Hillary Clinton getting in office. I'm afraid of attacking Trump supporters with things like the IRS. The bathrooms, the little bo- girl bathrooms with boys in them. They taken Christopher, Christopher Columbus Day away from me and calling it Independence Day. I think it's Christopher Columbus, okay? I, that's what I'm afraid of. Okay, well, according to you, these are the things we should fear from Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. For a president who's definitely not selling fear. Socialism, Swedish teenagers. Left his voters with a big, beautiful list of non-fears. Immigrants. immigrants. Thank you so much for that, Michael. All right, we have to take a quick break, but don't go away. Because when we come back, Jabuki Young White asks senior citizens who they'll be voting for tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Senior citizens helped send President Trump to the White House in 2016. But this year, polls suggest that they'll be voting for Joe Biden. Why the shift? Well, Jabuki Young White sat down with some of them to find out why. Tomorrow is election day. And I gotta say, as a young person, voting for Joe Biden is a tough pill to swallow. But what about the people who swallow a lot of pills every day? I sat down with some senior citizens to hear their thoughts on Biden. Hello. I'm Jabuki. Tell me your name again. Jabuki. Jabuki. Can you put your microphone up a little bit? Is this better? Better. Oh, Peg, I can't hear you. Do you see the microphone, the little, like, uh, microphone in the bottom left? As in, can I hear you, Peg? The AARP Plus community came out bigly for Trump in 2016 giving him almost a 10-point lead in the 65-plus demographic. But new polling shows that Biden is up 20 points with seniors. So what's got these age-positive Americans so hot for Uncle Joe? Is this because Biden is proof that you can be president when you get older? Given how old Trump is, I mean, he's just a rich old geezer. Woo! That... <laughs> Those are some strong words, Allison. It's the truth. You threw out the G word. You said it on me. You said it on me. And unlike every single person I've ever met in my life, some of these people aren't Democrats. As a lifelong Republican, I'm all in for Joe Biden. He's saying, I don't care if it's a red state or a blue state, but I'm going to be the president of the American people. Okay. All right. I voted for Trump in 2016. But the next four years, my opinions 
gradually changed. So did you do a lot of growing up between the ages of 69 and 73? It really didn't have to do too much deep self-reflecting because it was so obvious from the get-go, the lying and the hyperbole. But despite that, hypocrite in me kind of likes my bank balances. Peg is all about those racks on racks on racks. Peg is all about what? Racks on racks on racks. Racks on racks on racks? I'm sorry, I'm not getting the... Money. I was all about my nice investment portfolio, if that's what we're talking about. And Republican Dan has taken his Biden support one step further. My wife and I founded a super PAC uh, to support Joe Biden. It's called Arizona Republicans Who Believe in Treating Others with Respect. A-R-W-B-I-T-O-W-R. I brought one just so you can see it. You know, here's the, I'll get close to the camera. See, there's the whole name right there, just so you. That's like a list of side effects. We wondered, how does this work when it's really old school, just yard signs, but people still notice yard signs. A yard sign is sort of like the Elder X version of having a Twitter account. Neither my wife nor I are are social media fans. You got to get on social, you got to capitalize. You're already getting all of this grassroots clout. I think I could actually help you out. I think you could. There's this one social media app that there are so many Arizona Republicans on. Have you ever heard of Grindr? No. Elders were fired up, but could they convince their fellow Metamucilpotamians to getting off the Trump train and onto the no malarkey bus? It was time for a little role play. I'll be a fellow senior. I want you to try to convince me to not vote for Trump. Let me get into character. All right. Trump is going to make America great again, like back when our schools and lunch counters weren't so urban. Ask yourself, is this a guy who's building our democracy? Is he healing wounds or is he causing wounds? COVID was the breaking point. He could have handled it. He could have handled it. He put himself before us. And once someone lies to me or misleads me, you more than likely won't get me back. That's wisdom right there. He has not made America great again. He has incited the country to violence. And we need an opposing presence in the White House. You need to be moderating these debates, Allison. Put me on, honey. So I don't know whether Biden or Trump is going to win tomorrow, but after spending a day with these seniors, I do know one thing. If I could still be this cute when I'm old, then I can't wait to get started. Thanks for that, Jabuki. When we come back, Michael Harriet from The Roots will be here to discuss who black people will be voting for this year, and it might not be Joe Biden. (gasps) Stay tuned to find out. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with Michael Harriet, the award-winning senior writer at The Root. We talked about the impact the black vote will have on tomorrow's election and why some rappers are voting for Trump. Michael Harriet, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you for having me. Some people know you from The Root, uh, a publication that has made a name for, you know, honing in on black issues, whether it's in news or culture. Some people know you for your amazing historical Twitter threads. But right now, a lot of people want to know you as the guy who can predict the election. Do you know what's going to happen? So I don't pretend to know what's going to happen. All we can go by is history. And, you know, one of the things that we 
can be sure of is that we will not see anything new. Voter suppression has been happening since the inception of America. I, I always say that, you know, when you're in doubt, always bet on white, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, white, white people are going to white, and that's one thing that we can, be, we can always be sure of. So, uh, you know, we will see America be America again tomorrow, I'm sure, whatever the outcome may be. It's interesting that you say that because, I mean, in this election, it feels that although that may be true, it'll be slightly different because 90% of black men are still not voting for him, according to the polls. But Trump is doing better than previous Republicans with black men, specifically black men under the age of 50. What do you attribute that to? Well, one of the things I attribute it to is is that it's a misconception. Uh, There is no evidence, and I wrote about this recently, that black men or black voters are flocking to Trump. There is a contingent of black men who vote Republican. And it's been the same for the last 40 years. You know, Ronald Reagan got 13%. George Bush got 13%. George Bush, the father, got 12%. So there's always been about 10 to 13% of black men who are voting for Republicans because the truth is men are more likely to vote Republican. Um, it's, It's just a reality in politics. And because of the last election where, you know, voter suppression took place in historic uh, terms and because of, of voter black voter apathy, there was a smaller number of black voters. So the total number of people who black people who showed up at the polls were those people who always vote Republican and diehard Democrats. So there's this perception that Trump got more black male voters, but he didn't really. In fact, Trump got the smallest number of black uh, voters than anyone in the last 40 years. One of the pieces that people love that you wrote and, and you know some of the thoughts you had came in and around Kanye West running or you know first teaming up with Trump then running his own uh, ballots on the side. Um, you know, uh, 50 Cent or Lil Wayne. Like, what do you what do you make of this movement? I know it, obviously it's outliers because there's only we can count the amount of rappers and that makes the news because it is an exception to the rule. But what do you what do you make of that? If if you would have bet me that somebody would have one rapper would have uh, been a Trump supporter or one rapper would have done anything stupid, I would have said probably 50 cent before any of this, you know? I mean, if you didn't have 50 cent on your doing something stupid bingo card, then you probably weren't gonna win the game anyway, right? So, uh, you know, there are always people and and rappers are not excluded who, uh, because of the patriarchy, because of this delusion that they are separate from regular black people, because of, their own self-delusion believe that the people who oppress black people will somehow benefit them personally. And so these people aren't, you know, outliers as much as they are typical of the subset of black men, particularly. You've been lauded as one of the people who make some of the most interesting um, conversations or arguments about and around reparations. In fact, you argue that many of the arguments have been incorrect, in your opinion. What do you think people should have been doing differently in the conversation around reparations? Well, first of all, I think the conversation around reparations shouldn't be 
framed in the context of giving black people something that uh, that America, you know, like white people giving something to black people. The right. truth is that this is an investment of sweat equity, of blood, of sweat and tears that black people have paid into this capitalist uh, investment of America that we haven't seen the dividends returned upon us. And, and part of the problem is that we frame so much of that around slavery, right? Think about after slavery, when all of the black people in America who had a job, who worked, they paid the same taxes as white people. They paid the same city taxes. They paid for the same garbage. And they didn't get the benefit of going to those schools. They couldn't go to most of the colleges in America. So we were paying into a system that was stealing our money and giving it to white people. So so when we think of reparations as a, a redistribution of wealth, we should actually come out and say that because they have participated for 400 years in a massive redistribution of our wealth, of our sweat equity, of our work and our money. Before I let you go, election day is coming up tomorrow. And the big question I think a lot of people will have is, where to from here, especially for people of color and predominantly black people? As someone who always looks backwards at history for your answers, what do you hope to see if, let's say, Biden and Kamala win on that ticket? First of all, he's going to have to spend a lot of time correcting the damage that Trump has done. But I hope that the Democratic Party and the politics as a whole can see what black people have done for this America. We've rescued it from the cliff that is Donald Trump, right? And so I hope that they will put that into actual sustainable policies that will correct the injustices and inequities that we've seen for so much. And I hope that America can see that the only way that we can have a stable country is to give the the promise of America to the people who have been specifically excluded from America's middle class, economically, socially, and politically for so long. And if we do that, we will have a more stable country. We will have a more stable political system. We will have a more stable economy and we won't be dying in the street from pandemics or poverty or all of the things that kill us disproportionately in America. Michael Harriet, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm looking forward to your reading and um, catching up with you after the election. I'm looking forward to seeing more of The Daily Show. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, one final reminder that we're teaming up with World Central Kitchen for their new Chefs for the Polls program. They're activating local food trucks, restaurants, and caterers owned and operated primarily by people of color to serve food to anybody waiting in line to vote, especially in communities where the voting lines are historically longer. Don't forget, tomorrow is election day, and we're gonna be covering it live right here at 11 p.m. Eastern time. So I'll see you there. Until then though, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, Rihanna thinks that people who vote are really, really sexy. So use it, don't use it. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more.
This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 